Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. You haven't an idea until it gets underway. For those who are not here, paint as good a picture as you can. A grain of rice is going to tip the scale. Just remember that, lad. A grain of rice. Just, I just... Because I love this county so much, you know. And that's it. It is all over. It is just not meant to be. Hello and welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's GAA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we are back to discuss all the National League action. Over the next 11 weeks, you will hear from some of the biggest names in the GAA and I'm delighted to say that this week I'll be talking to Kerry legend Tomas O'Shea and Waterford great John Milan to preview the Gaelic football and hurling. Each week we'll also have a sketch from Rory's stories as they bring some of the GEA's colourful characters to life. So listen out for that later on. But first I'm joined in studio by Conor McKeown of the Herald and Vincent Hogan of the Irish Independent. Conor, I guess the 8th Division 1 teams, a lot of them have very different priorities. Some of them are missing key men uh, early on in the campaign. Others are going to start hitting the ground running. What are you expecting to see this weekend? Well, I think the whole league, in both sports, but um, you know, football particularly is kind of going to be it's going to be compromised by the condensing of the season. Like It's going to be very hard to go to a game, and particularly early on in the first few weeks, and I think to really uh, take in what happened as being you know, an accurate indicator of where teams are. Like It'll be all about priorities. You know? like Dublin are only just back from their team holiday. Um, you know, we don't know at what stage the older players who kind of were dropped last year by Jim Gavin will come back into it we don't know which younger players will get a chance you look at Kerry they, they obviously have areas to address la, uh, from last year you know their full back line in goals what to do with David Clifford then you have Mayo who kind of annually look like they're struggling at the start of the year we write them all off and then they come back and win you know the last two league games to survive and go all the way to an All-Ireland final so like it's tough it is tough to really know um, you know what whether what we're seeing in front of our eyes is actually the truth yeah, Vincent, I'm reluctant to ask you what your big kind of storyline or the team to watch going into this league season is because, as Connor said, there's so much uncertainty with so many players mightn't be playing. But is there any team in particular you are looking forward to seeing what they do come out with, even if it isn't maybe a full-strength selection? I'd like to see what Kerry do with the young guys because I think Eamon Fitzmaurice will definitely feel he's got to bring in a bit of fresh blood this year. And, and the league is an opportunity to do that. It's uh, such a competitive Division One. Uh, I was talking to Moss about this earlier in the week and, and he made a very good point and, and that is this is like a mini Super 8s Division 1 
like every game is a serious game and, and the teams that you would expect to be in the Super 8s are largely the teams that are in Division 1. Um, but different teams have different priorities. I think the likes of, of uh, Galway will definitely be looking just to consolidate their position as a Division 1 team. I mean, they're back in the top division for the first time in seven years, so they'll be looking for a, a couple of early wins. Um, likewise, Kildare, who've you know been ma- moving well and you know in in recent years, they'd love to copper fasten their position in Division One. Although they're starting against the Dubs, which isn't that easy, but they may feel, as Connor alludes to, that this may be the time to get Dublin. They're just back from a holiday. There was talk maybe there was a bug in the camp on the holiday, and we don't really know how well they'll they'll be ready. Well, for I have this. Kildare twenty eight to one circled on my sheet. I don't, they're actually favourites to get relegated, but I think if they catch Dublin on the hop this weekend, their schedule is actually reasonably favourable. Yeah, and I think this this is the day to the, the, this weekend is the weekend to get the Dubs. But you know you'd still fancy Dublin to beat them. Dublin have such a, a vast wealth of, of talent, whoever they put out. But uh, I I think if anyone's going to get them at the right time, it's Kildare now. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Kerry Legend, Tomas O'Shea. And Tomas, uh, Mikey Sheehy had some interesting comments about the Kerry fans, uh, you know, at the Mayo uh, replay last last September. No better way to get men in the seat, though, this time around by maybe blooding David Clifford this weekend. What are you looking forward to seeing from your county on, against Galway? Yeah, I think, um, look, it'll be, it's massive. I think it's a massive year for Kerry. I think defensively there's question marks over us and you take Paul Ganey out of that forward line and there's possibly question marks of where all the scores from play would come from as well. You know, we conceded in that drawing game who was on TG Car the last night and I was watching it and, and conceded two ten from play and and Mayo hadn't even kicked a, a score from free. So look, Kerry will have to address the defence. You have young guys coming in. I think that's the big thing that would, the pressure that came up on the management afterwards. There was a lot of talk when they lost to Mayo and the fashion that they lost to Mayo, how open we were. And here we are with four minor teams coming through, under 21 teams and no player coming through is what the, the mantra down there was. And the management were in for a lot of slack. Mikey Sheehy then drew back at the supporters and he had a point in one certain way. We have a core group of supporters down there that would travel through thick and thin. Um, but they were they weren't up there uh, for that semi-final. Now it is expensive to get up there and all that. But I think the big thing with Kerry this year for me is to see, can the likes of Jason Foley, Sean O'Shea is a player I'd be getting actually excited about. I think above what they're talking about Clifford, I think this Sean O'Shea is a serious young player. My worry is, and this is where the worry is coming from, Right now, have Kerry uh, a block of players to carry these young fellas through. You know, we have in Dublin, the Conor Callaghan seamlessly integrates into a system that they have and they have the older players and Conor Callaghan can afford, like he did against Carlo last year, to have a very, very poor game. They don't worry about that. Whereas in Kerry, if things go haywire for David Clifford early on, if things go haywire for Sean O'Shea, if the same results are coming our way, are we going to panic and are we going to throw, you know, is it going to be about getting results in the league for Kerry or is it going to be about blooding these young fellas and hardening them up for what's to come? Because I do think the league has come to a stage where it is so competitive that there is great benefit for the likes of these young fellas to come true because they will be tested. They'll have to go up to Mayo. They'll have to travel around the country. Division 1 is as competitive as it ever was. Even the dubs with seven or eight or nine regulars missing will still make it competitive for anybody. You know, and I, I'm excited for it. I think a lot of, I mean, after traditionally after losing in a, in a championship, Kerry will be down. But... I think that there's so much to be excited for if we if we can get a, a, a kind. I think they need to get. I'd be hoping the likes of of the young lads get a good start. David Clifford, awful amount of pressure, an awful amount for a young lad. I know he, he's he's had spectacular rise to 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 start him or whatever, but I mean it's going to be hard of him to be relied on 
to, to get the scores. You know, and I, I, I'm glad that, that it's likely that Paul Ganey will be starting as well. And that will take a bit of the pressure off him. And um, I presume, look, we don't know what's going on inside the doors there, but I presume that he won't feel the same pressure that we're heaping on him. Yeah, Vincent, I know you worked with Colin Cooper in his book, so you have an insight into what it is like to, for such a great player to come in at a young age with the pressure on him. How do you think Eamon Fitzmaurice would, would go about blooding in, David, over the next couple of weeks? Well, again, I would agree with Tomás. It's, it's not as simple for Eamon with, with the likes of Clifford. I mean, there's so much hype about Clifford because of what he did at minor level. Um, there wasn't the same hype about Conor Callaghan coming in. And as, as Tomás rightly points out, he didn't exactly pull up trees against Carlo last, last year when Carlo set up very defensively and, and, and Conor looked frustrated at times. But because he was surrounded by so many senior players in an environment where people were winning and they were used to winning, that same pressure didn't apply. The guy we haven't ma- mentioned with regard to Kerry is James O'Donoghue. And, and I think James was the guy who was supposed to take over the mantle from, from Colm Cooper. And he had an average year last year. If you can get James O'Donoghue and Paul Ganey sparking, then I think that takes some of the pleasure, pressure off the likes of Clifford and Sean O'Shea. And once you're finally against Cork, for instance. Absolutely. And, and I think that will be the priority for Fitzmaurice to get James O'Donoghue back sparking again. Connor, just to move on to Mayo for a second, they're third favourites in the betting, but we were kind of talking a bit off air. Traditionally in the league, they've kind of ca- caught far towards the end of the campaign when it looked like they might face relegation. Do you expect them to, you know, put a bit more emphasis on trying to get some silverware this year? But they are, I know, missing like Lee Keegan, I think Donald Vaughan, Seamus O'Shea are all going to be out. So how do you see them kind of going about it? No, I don't see Mayo uh, challenging the top of the table. I don't see them getting to a league final. Um, and I think that's just the way this Mayo team is. I don't think you know it's any black mark next to their name. But they have reached a very strange kind of situation in their development where they know how good the players they have are. They know that they've gotten so far with this group. Of, like, and, and it is a very small group. Like they were, they were selecting from essentially 16 players for last year's All-Ireland Final. The only selection issue whether it was Patrick Dorkin or um, Dermot O'Connor. But if you look at it last year, they were beaten by Monon at home on the first day of the league. They were hammered by Dublin in March. They were beaten at home by Cavan. And at the time, everybody was saying, look, lads, it's the end of Mayo. But what did they do? They went to Oma and won and they beat Donegal on the last day of the season in Castlebar. So they know, like, it is about experience. Another thing I was reading during the week is they've 18 players currently living in Dublin as part of their squad. That is impossible, absolutely impossible situation to be able to manage to get good performances and good results at the start of the league. But that is also why they can pull it off. When those players come back to Mayo at the end of the college year and everything else, they can get there. They will prioritise bringing players through. But well, that's what I was going to say. Should that be the two words written on top of Stephen Rutter cheating new players? Yeah, but to an extent. Like, you know, it, it's all well and good bringing players through, but the level to which Mayo have played in the last few years, like, it's absolutely criminal you know, the levels they've reached without getting their hands on the Sam Maguire. So they know what they can do. Like, you know, if some really, you know, hot wing back comes through in the league, they're not going to get rid of Donny Vaughan. They're not going to get rid of Lee Keegan. You know, they're not going to get rid of Cullen Boyle. So what they need is to find players who can make an impact off the bench because that's basically what beat them in the last couple of All-Ireland Finals. In last year's final, they brought on Stephen Cohn, David Drake, Danny Kirby, Connor Loftus. And if you compare that to what Dublin brought off the bench, that ultimately, I think, was the, the winning and losing of the final. But I just think they will be a little bit reluctant to tinker too much, to put too much, you know, put players under too much pressure because they know what those big players can do for them and they're just so, so close. Well, Tomas, it's interesting the point Connor makes because I remember watching the league last year and seeing Andy Moore and he, he put up some huge minute totals and I know he obviously had an unbelievable season in the end, but should they not be maybe a bit more cautious with using some of these senior players as much as they did? 
Yeah, I'd agree that there. When when Mayo come to the latter stage of the championship, however, uh, whatever length of time they last, they will be picking from the core group of players that have got them to the All Ireland in the last four or five years. You know, the O'Shea's, the Andy Morans, the Lee Keegan's, the Boyles, they'll all be there and that'll be driving them on. Do I see anybody? I think we would have heard if they were expecting any bright young sparks. There's a lot of talk about David Clifford, a lot of talk about a couple of young players in Cork as well. But like, and in Dublin, there's a lot of talk about Conor Callaghan's and there's more players coming through. But is there talk about young players coming through in Mayo? There hasn't been much talk. Now, if they get one or two, but I don't know, are they going to test? I think the Mayo starting line, yes, they're as good as there is in the country. And it is like... I, they've they've come up in my estimation. Uh, you know, I I I I have no doubt that this team are are they're at they're there. But and I don't think it fears. I don't think Mayo will fear the fact that they're going to go through a league that they're not going to contest. It doesn't bother them. It bothers them like they nearly went out against Derry. They nearly went out against uh, Cork in the championship. And that thin line of margin. Imagine if they did, which they could easily have done. Everybody would have been down on top of them. But what happened? They went to the All-Ireland final. They came very, very close again. They're the only team that have pushed Dublin championship-wise as close. Nobody has come near them. Um, so I don't think the league's going to bother them. I think Rashford will just amble through the league. I think he'd be he'd be foolish to try to go out and try to put out his, his men. But he has a list of injuries. I've seen it lately. There's a long list of injuries. So he's not going to have his strongest team until towards the end of the of the, of the league. So, um, look, Mayo, I think some teams, the Kildares, the Galways, will have to go flat out. Because I think if they do badly in the league, it'll impact their confidence going into the championship. Whereas Mayo... They're not going to be bothered by that. If they get look, everybody's down on them anyway. You know, they're they don't. They're mentally a tough team, is what I described them as. They've done everything bar win the All Ireland, which I don't think. Like, I mean, it's it, they've had an unbelievable psyche, like a team I've never seen before. I have never seen a team that have lost so much, so close to winning All Irelands, yet defy everything. They have such character, but I mean, it's championship for Mayo. I don't think it'll be league at all. When we're talking about the priorities of different teams, I'm really interested to see how Tyrone approached the league. They have a game in two weeks' time at home to Dublin. You know, obviously, the championship ended in a fairly embarrassing fashion given how much they were hyped as the team to maybe take down Jim Gavin's side. Are you expecting them to really go full throttle for this league? And in particular, maybe, will we see any signs against Dublin that they're modifying their style to maybe, in the long run, take down that team? I think it's a great question, Will. And I, and I think it's a question that the Tyrone players will have been asking themselves very strongly over the winter. Um, that complete non-performance against Dublin was a shock to the system. And I certainly personally felt that Tyrone were the one team that would get under Dublin's skin and really upset them. Now, I was away. I was at the McGregor business in Vegas at the time. I was actually following that match on Twitter. And from the first minute, you just saw this accumulation of Dublin scores. And you're thinking, is this Tyrone they're playing? Um, I think Tyrone will look back at that day with real anger. And it's, it's interesting, you mentioned the, the second round of games in this league is in Oma. And I think they'll be looking to lay down a marker. And that marker has to be about some development and refinement of their style. Because we know that they can be brilliant defensively. They can set up defensively. But the ease with which Dublin picked them apart suggests to me that Mickey Hart has got to refine things and he's got to create a more attacking a more attacking strategy because you're not asking enough questions of teams of the calibre of Dublin, Kerry, probably Mayo, when you set up so defensively. I think that was a real lost opportunity for, for, for Tyrone last August and it'll be really interesting to see how they take this league now. 
Well, Connor, I mentioned 28 to Uncle Dare earlier, but 15 to 2 Tyrone is a more realistic and still a pretty decent bet, I think, you know, to, for them to win the league because they seem to be one team that it would benefit them maybe of going after it with a full, reasonably full strength team. Yeah, I think the, the, the problem with judging Tyrone last year on the, the basis of the Dublin defor- performance was very simply that Dublin were completely and utterly set up and had practiced ad nauseum for the previous three years, specifically how to take apart that kind of a team. And you could see everything Dublin did that day was so unbelievably systematic. Everybody was read from the same playbook. And if there's any criticism of Tyrone last year, it's that Mickey Hart didn't see that coming, that he didn't actually throw any curveballs at Dublin that day. Like, I remember at one stage, even how Dublin defended against Tyrone was brilliant. We heard all about the Tyrone runners and how they moved the ball um, from defence to attack, that transition play. And the Dublin players were so hell-bent on being man-to-man and not getting sucked into the ball carrier and having a player overlap. I remember at one stage, Tyrone ran this play where I think it might have been Tierney McCann looped around the back of Parik Hamsey. And, uh, and John Small was marking McCann. And instead of just putting his hand out and trying to tackle the man with the ball, he stayed absolutely trained on McCann. And then when the ball came over the top... He was there to meet him as well. Like Dublin had that game to win an inch of their lives. It was. I remember Dermot Connolly speaking about it in the off season, and he said it was like poetry unfolding in front of them. They had gone at that and put together that game plan specifically since they lost to Donegal in twenty fourteen, and that's nearly everything Dublin have worked on over the last three years. So I still think Toronto are a brilliant team. Like they waltzed to the Ulster title last year, and I think if they'd played any other team in the All Ireland semi final last year, they probably would have won. Yeah, Tomas, what are you expecting in two weeks' time in Oma? Like, is this a game that Tyrone might have been preparing for over the last couple of weeks specifically, or will they be keeping their powder dry until later in the year? Um, I'm not sure. I think any time you go to Oma, it's a tough place to go. You know, they, they'll they treat it as a kind of a fortress above there. They, they'll bring a physicality up there that possibly they'll be disgusted the way they... I mean, they fell, they crumbled last year on Crow Park, but they crumbled without even putting up a fight. No, normally we were always told if you're losing, Jesus, start something, start a row, start. It was nothing like, it was nothing associated with the great Tyrone team. It was interesting enough to see Michael Murphy commentating during the week or making a comment on the fact that Donegal will win nothing anymore in terms of, of an All-Ireland if they still if they stick to the system that won them the All-Ireland. And that, I think, is a telling comment that these teams, Dublin cracked them, uh, Mayo would be possibly able to crack them and carry them. The, the cream always rises. Now, Tyrone will not win an All-Ireland the way they're playing. And do they change it up? I'm, I, I'm not sure. I question whether they change it up radically. I, I've heard that players within the group want to play a more expansive game, want to play a more attacking game. I think they have talented players. They have good underage um, players coming through for the last six, seven years. And I don't think you get to see their complementary scale and what they can do because of the structure that's, that's in Tyrone at the moment. And I think somehow... You don't see the way they play in the league. You know, they go ultra-defensive in the championship. They tend to take it game by game. So what way they'll set up in the league will be interesting enough in itself. But I think the days, and it's great to see, you know, and thanks to the Dubs for it, because they beat an ultra-defensive team in such a way that now the ultra-defensive setups are saying, hang on a second now, we're going to have to look at this. We're not going to win it this way, like, because the boys... And what Dublin give is a template for everybody else on how to defend and how to attack possibly, um, and it takes a couple of years. You know, Kerry are that little bit behind Dublin in approaching teams like that, I think. And it is brilliant that, that these teams will have to change it up. And the skills of the game that have been gone, like how, how long, I mean, I know Murphy that was inside in the full forest square when, when and they banged in the ball, same against Mayo, and he got the goals out of it or whatever. But 
do you associate long kicking with Tyrone? Do you associate long tick, kicking with, with Donegal? Not really, you know, and it's a pity because I think they do have players that could showcase these skills as much. But, I mean, the kicking team, like, it's too easy to defend against. You go meet a Tyrone team, if you can counteract their runners, if you can just block them, you know they're not going to go along. So you can take the risk of pushing up. And you need to be two-dimensional to, to win. And will, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure will Mickey Hart take the risk of going full-on. He, 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 it'll be hard for him to find that balance but um, it's a tough place to go for Oma and in the league I'd give Tyrone a chance definitely but championship boys they'll want to change it up Connor, we'll wrap up on Division 1 now just in a second just, uh, Tomas mentioned Michael Murphy's comment about how they won't win playing the same way down in Donegal it's been interesting they seem to have played a bit more expansive under Declan Bonner so far Owen McNeilish is back in the panel this year Nathan Mullins uh, come up from St. Vincent in midf- excuse me in, in midfield uh, what have you made of that little transition they've made so far? They've already they seem to be putting building blocks in place. Yeah, it's hard to know. Like last year won't go down as being a great year for Donegal, but they did bring through an awful lot of very good young players. Um, and you know, if you have Michael Murphy and Paddy McBurty on your team, you still have a chance of being successful. But it's just how best to employ it now. You know, we've been talking about success coming in cycles in football, but like you know, these kind of tactical developments tend to come in cycles. And I think we're probably at the bottom end of the arc with regard to that ultra defensive possession running based game I think it's been shown up for what it is um, and teams know how to take advantage of it so Donegal are like Donegal are like their own in that degree as well you can defend your goal very well you can see very few goals but if you're not going to get scores at the far end you're not going to have much of a chance and what Donegal have what Tyrone don't have you know I mean Tyrone had Mark Bradley inside as an inside forward worked so hard last year it must have been the loneliest job in football being Mark Bradley but if you've got Michael Murphy and or Paddy McBurty in there you can build the rest of your game plan around that that is absolutely the starting blocks of, of an excellent or of a potentially successful team and look staying in the Division 1 for Donegal and all the teams that you know aren't in say the, from the All-Ireland semi-finals last year that's the absolute priority for them but then by the same token, you look at Roscommon two years ago, they came up to Division 1, made it a priority to stay up. I think they won three of their first four games. Uh, looked like they might even make a league final that year and flopped into the championship. And then last year, they got relegated on a record margin, ended up winning Connacht. So, I mean, it is a balancing act and it's a tough one to... It's, and, you know, we don't know because managers don't tell us what their priorities are. But, um, you know, for those teams, given that everything is is, you know the spectre of the Super 8s kind of hangs over this season and I think staying in Division 1 would be a great sign for any team who needs to, who wants to get into that top 8. I also think there's a, a big question mark at the moment about the standard of Ulster football because yeah. if you look at the ease with which Tyrone won the Ulster Championship last year, their average winning margin was something like 9 points and then the ease with which they were taken apart by, Dub, by Dublin. So even though we have three Division 1 teams from Ulster, I think there's a big question mark right now just how good the Ulster Championship is. Well, there'll be a lot to look forward to in Division 1. And Tomas, just before we let you go, I want to get your opinion on, on Cork in Division 2. They're the favourites to win the league. Would you expect them to get promoted this year after kind of getting a bit of pride back in the jersey against Mayo last season? I think you just said it there. You know, have they got pride back in the jersey or was that a one-off display? I think that's what's been thrown at this Cork team for a long, long time. It's the consistency or the inconsistency that, that's, that's in their game. And uh, I do think that potentially, like, if you take out the top four teams, like you take out the carries, the, the Mayos, the Dublins over this team, you'd have some championship, you'd have some league. And Division 2 is, is ultra-competitive. It's very hard to pick out a team, you know. You've Common after going back down. But Cork, I do think, I think a change of management and 
you know, there's always pressure in Cork. They don't get the same following as the hurlers. But I do think they have certainly, I've, I've played club football down here. There is no doubt in my mind that the performance, why can't they get the performance they got against Mayo in Limerick last year? Why can't they get that more regularly? You know, they, they should have won that game. You know, if right was right and any bit of experience and any bit of luck, actually, they would have won it. So that is the biggest problem I think Cork faced this year is to bring a consistency. I don't think even if they stayed in Division 2, because if you can get into a dogfight in Division 2, you could possibly be under threat to go down. So I think it's important for Cork to actually just get a level of consistency in their performance. Nothing just up, down. I mean, some of the performances gave in the league last year were shocking. Shocking, you know, and they were maybe seven, eight, nine, ten points ahead, and they lost it and a, a draw, you know. And it, it's it's this inconsistency that's in their game. I certainly think they have the talent. Maybe this change. I think they needed a change in management, and you know, the, the, I, I think there'll be a, that had a bit of fire in them this year. And I, I think that um, I'm not sure they're too worried. I don't think their main aim will be to get up, but it, to stay up in Division Two and to have that little bit of consistency that they haven't had. Brilliant, Tomas. Thanks so much for joining us. So just before we move on to the hurling, guys, uh, quickly get your predictions. Who's going to be the finalist in Division 1 and who's going to win it? Uh, Tyrone and Dublin and probably Dublin. Vincent? Um, I'll go Kerry and Dublin and Dublin to win. Hopefully there's room for Kildare in there, 28 to 1 as well. But if not, uh, I'll, I'll make do. So that's it for the football. And every week on the throw-in, we'll hear from Rory's stories as they bring us their unique take on GAA life. Head of the 2018 league campaign. It's great to catch up with the legendary Cava man that is Cecil. How are you keeping? Well, how are we getting on? What's your story? Good. So, um, Cecil, in Division 2 this year, Cavan, I suppose all expectation we hoping to get back up to Division 1. Well, Rory, uh, Cavan belong in Division 1, so... Division 2, we're going to sail through that Division 1, not our butter towel. Jeez, a fair bit of confidence there in your Cecil. Yeah. First game at home to Loud, a local derby. What's the prediction? <laughs> well, Loud have never been anything to worry about. So they're only the wee county, so they won't be a bother. But to make sure Calvin win, I'm going to stand outside Bethany Park with a massive big Joe Sheridan sign to scare all the Loud people. <laughs> Would you not make more sense to go into the stand and have the sign where all the players might see and they might spook them, Cecil? Well... If I have to go in, I'll have to pay 15 quid at the gate, Rory. I'm not paying that money. That's mental money. You wouldn't no. even pay to go in and see your home county, no? Not a hope. I'm going to stand outside and listen to the scores. That'll be, that'll be enough. Oh, you're something else. And Cecil, you still have that homemade um, jersey with up carbon written on a white t-shirt and black marker. Would you, would you believe, Rory, Santa actually brought me the brand new carbon jersey. So I'm going to be wearing that this year. But as soon as it's all said and done, I'll bring it back to the shop and the tag's still on it and all. You left the tag on it still, did you? Jesus, did you? Yeah, sure, I'll get good money for that when I bring it back. Oh, you're something else. You cease to amaze me, I swear to God. Honest to God. We'll catch up soon anyway, Cecil. Good luck. Brilliant stuff from Rory there. And now it's time for hurling. Vincent, uh, the big question for me, even more so than any how teams will perform and whatnot, is the whole structure and with the condensed nature of it, with the provincial championships coming hot in its heels. Like, what are we going to see this year? And they've, they've kept the quarterfinals, but everything's tighter than it ever was. Are we going to see teams like hitting the ground running? Are they going to be saving themselves for the provincial championships? What do you expect? Anyone who tells you they know what's coming is lying through their teeth, <laughs> Will. Um, this is a really very, very difficult season to predict anything about. Um, I think certainly for the likes of Wexford, you know, they're, they're back in the top division for the first time since 2011. They'll be looking to try and get a couple of wins on the board to get it, you know, close to a quarter final spot. But really, you know, Michael Ryan, the Tipperary manager, said people will be playing it by ear. And I think they will, because if you want to get to the league final on March the 24th, you've got to play eight out of nine weeks. You then 
more or less give your players back to the clubs for, for April. And in Tipperary's case, that's exactly what they'll be doing. They'll certainly play two rounds of the, the hurling championship. And for the likes of the McGrath brothers, possibly two or three rounds of the football championship as well. And then you bounce into, in Tip's case, four Munster Championship matches in a row, week after week after week. We've never seen anything like this, Will. And I think, really, when, when Michael Ryan says he'll be playing it by ear, I think he's been absolutely sincere about that, that, that most, most managers really don't know how to manage this because this is a unique season. Yeah, Connor, I don't really know what else to add. I think Vincent summed it up pretty well. What are you looking for? Like, you know, we talked a bit about Dublin off air. What Pat Gilroy's done, it seems like he's already hit the ground running a good bit with training. So are they maybe one of the teams that we'll see an improvement in quite quickly? Ah, yeah, well, just to get back to Dublin, but on Vince's point, I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to about the hurling season is this year unpredictability of it. Like for, for, for years, and it's no harm to Kilkenny and it's no harm to Tipperary, you know, we went through the same Groundhog Day of our hurling season every year and after 2013 when the season exploded and all the things that didn't usually happen happened, we thought, here we go. And then the following year, order was restored. And at, last year, after having a, a really novel final, Galway and, and Waterford were now faced with this situation where just in terms of even structuring your year, it's a really, really difficult one to manage. But just on Dublin, yeah, like it, it, it's very. I think Dublin are one of the more interesting stories this year, just because what has happened in the off season. I think there's a there's a fascination there about Pat Gilroy managing the team, because he's Pat Gilroy, because he hasn't really managed the hurling team before, because Dublin have been very dormant for the last few years. It, it's been a very disappointing two three years for Dublin hurling, uh, not just because of results, but because an awful lot of the the good hurlers in the county weren't there. And the early indications are that he's 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 trying to build a hurling team in much the same way as he built a football team in 2010. He's testing players' resolve. He's testing their character. He's looking to find out who really, really wants it. Uh, he's making them very hard to beat. Well, he's trying to make them hard to beat. He's trying to eradicate, you know. I mean, the starting point is Tipperary last year in Torlis, the six goals that they conceded that day. Um and you can see fellas putting their bodies on the line um, for him. And I think Pat will probably, Pat will probably give out six or seven debutants this Saturday night against Offaly, you know, because people forget that, okay, when people think of Pat Gilroy's reign as Dublin football manager, they remember 2011 and winning in All-Ireland and everything was great. But in 2010, Pat Gilroy, like players like Shane Ryan, Connell Keeney, Kieran Whelan, Jason Sherlock, even young players like Dermot Connolly and Philly McMahon were let go from the setup, And people like Dennis Bastic, Really unfancied footballers or unheralded footballers in Dublin like Niall Corkery, Mick Fitzsimons, Michael Dara McCauley, who was nobody's idea of an inter-county midfielder. They were all brought in. And I remember it being in Crow Park that year when Dublin went to extra time with Wexford in the first round of the Leinster Championship and sitting with somebody who's very prominent in Dublin football and he turned around to me and he said, this fella has no idea what he's doing. And 16 months later, <laughs> Dublin won the All-Ireland that kicked off this period of dominance. So Pat Gilroy, what I'm trying to get at is that a lot of people in Dublin Hurling would look at some of the players that he's picking early on and some of the players that he's not picking early on, but there will definitely be kind of methods to that. There could be someone turning to you on Saturday night maybe and saying something similar, but Probably. We'll, we'll see. Tonight to be joined the line now by Waterford legend John Milan. John, it's a, it's a, a tough role to be a hurling pundit at the moment. There's so much unpredictability. Is, is there anything you are expecting to see in the league? Or As Vincent said, or is it very hard to call at this stage? Well, I think from the league point of view, I think it's just going to be much and much the same. I think the unknown and the uncertainty will probably kick in from the month of May, really, when, when we, we start entering that uh, summer period. But I think for me, I think uh, the main thing this year is going to be 
you know, who's is is probably squad rotation. How 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 managers are going to man manage uh, their squads this year, and most certainly uh, the the managers with with the luxury of having a good squad um, might benefit uh, having a, a very good year this year. And I, I I say that with the likes of the Waterfords, the Galways, the Tipperaries, um possibly Limerick who who don't have the, the Pierce Glads at the moment but are at the coming through a very good Monster League campaign um unskated without without the Pierce Glads. So I, I think uh, the teams that or the counties that do have uh, good squads uh, will probably you'll see probably have successful years this year. Vincent, one thing I'm really looking forward to is the new kind of rivalry in Hurling Wexford Kilkenny. I think it's probably the two managers on the sidelines that we they give us good battles every time. We have at least two matchups to look forward to over the next couple of months. It's really caught the imagination, even that Walsh Cup came last weekend. Yeah, you could see both of them really wanted it, and uh, it's not something you expect to see Brian Cody order to the the stands during a Walsh Cup game. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I was down at one of the Walsh Cup games. They played Kildare, and you know, Brian is trawling the entire county of, of Kilkenny. I think he was working with an extended squad of 50-odd players during the, the Walsh Cup. And the evidence so far would be that they're struggling. They're struggling to replace the irreplaceable people like the Michael Fennellys of these, uh, you know, of the greatest team that maybe most of us have ever seen. And I think there's a real sense that Kilkenny are in transition. But there's also a sense they're going down this weekend to the first league game ever played in Parky Kiev, their relationship, their modern relationship with Cork would be one with a serrated edge. And I think Brian Cody will have those players wired up to the, the nth degree in the dressing room. Because can you imagine the lift it would give Kilkenny when everyone is doom and gloom around them? We don't know what Richie Hogan's going to come back, you know, in terms of his fitness. We haven't seen TJ Reid, all of these stalwart people. We won't see um, Colin Fennelly in this league. We won't see Paul Murphy in this league. Any scalp that Kilkenny take in this league will be a real marker for Cody. And I think he'll be looking for as many as he can get. But you're right, there's that Kilkenny-Wexford thing back. I think Davy. I was talking to Davy about this and he made the point, he thinks people are exaggerating how maybe they won't be going full-blooded for the league. You can take it, Wexford <laughs> will be going full-blooded for a couple of wins. They, they've worked so hard to get up there. And you know what? If Wexford get into a quarterfinal or a semi-final, Wexford haven't won a national league since 1973. Whatever about happens in the championship, the likes of Wexford will go bald-headed for that league if they think they have an opportunity. So I, I, I think the priority for most of the counties will be try to put themselves in a position to get top four in each division and get into a quarterfinal and just take it from there. But I think squad rotation, John is right. Most of the, the managers will be looking at what they have in the early rounds, but 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 by no means not taking it seriously. Yeah, John, I know, uh, obviously, Waterford took the, the scalp of Kilkenny in the championship uh, last summer. Are you expecting Kilkenny to come back stronger? Or as Vincent said, you know, is Brian Cody struggling to maybe find some new faces to put in that team, do you think? Yeah, well, look, I, I think you have to have the greatest admiration for, for, for Brian Cody, uh, number one. I think an awful lot of pundits out there are saying that, and even former players in Kilkenny are saying that maybe he, he should have stepped away, but... I mean, the easiest thing for, for any manager, for Brian Cody, you have to win 11 All-Irelands. And, you know, I, I, I stated this last year. I, I could see the writing on the wall last year um, and I probably got a small bit lambasted um, for coming out and saying it. But you have to have the greatest admiration for him. The easiest thing for Brian Cody would be to walk away and say, well, look, hand over the reins to someone else and, you know, a bit of a rebuilding job. But he's not. He's, he's 
he's taken the challenge on board. But for me, I think this could be a sticky league for 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 Kilkenny, um, and I think when when Vincent's just had to mention the personnel that they are going to be down in the league: Richie Hogan, TJ Reid, Paul Murphy, Colin Finley, you know, Michael Finley retired. You know that's that's five of your top class players and top class players that they've had to call upon the last the last couple of years. And I think it could be a sticky league. I wouldn't be at all be surprised if, if they are in the bottom two and that they, they might be relegated. But I think Brian Cody, what he will want to get out of this league, he'll want to pick up uh, three or four players because I think they have the nucleus still of, 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 a, of a decent team. I still think they have 10 or 11 um, top quality players. And I think for Brian Cody, I think he'll look to this league to try and unearth four or five players. And I think come the summer then, I think he'll look to, to kick on and, uh, you know, who knows? I, I, I still think there'll be a match for anyone come the summer. One of the quirks of the league the last few years, Conor, obviously won't be the champion, or the winners of won't be who've topped it have gone on to win the league outright. And obviously Galway are actually still in won't be despite winning the league last year. But they're humongous favourites to top that and get promoted. Do you expect them to to do that quite easily? Or no, do, not do, necessarily. Like I think there's there's probably two tiers in won't be, which kind of shows the... Which kind of shows the... the Maybe the the lack of wisdom in the way that the league is structured, you know. Um, One of the more unusual tournament structures in world sports. Yeah, probably. and 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 we went through a period there where, every, you know, you could think of a good reason to restructure it, and then it looked like the restructure was the wrong kind of structure. But like Galway, Dublin, I think, and Limerick will definitely go. Uh, will be the three teams that will contest the, the promotion spot. You can say that Galway, as all, all Ireland champions, should be promoted, but if any team deserves anything surely Limerick have to get out of 1B they've been mired there for I think 6 or 7 years uh, the last few years they've lost out but sometimes on scoring difference sometimes on a head to head Dublin start off uh, home to off, or home to Offaly away to Antrim and Dunloy so you probably expect them to get 4 points in their first couple of games but look you don't know how Galway are going to react to winning in All-Ireland it's an impossible thing to predict like t- this time last year we looked at Tipperary wiping Kilkenny in the all- in the 2016 All-Ireland final and they looked like they had solved all their problems you know that they- Michael Breen came in they had uh, Ronan Maher at centre back looked like he was go- like and then last year nobody poked the ball to Ronan Maher um, da- Dan McCormick was the same thing as well and then all of a sudden as All-Ireland champions teams te- like y- the things that work for you the previous year don't necessarily work for you the following year John you want to come in? Can I come in? I, 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 for all the talk that's out there, I cannot get over the naivety of an awful lot of the general hurling people out there that they think that, you know, Galway, you know, they're practically writing Galway off. I actually think the whole new structure is actually set up for Galway. They're in Division 1B. They've got two home games now in the championship that they're never going to have. The monkey's off the back. Uh, they can they can honour the few players in, in, in this National League. I think they'll... And I'm going to say, I think they'll steamroll through, through the Leinster Championship again. They'll find themselves in a, in a quarter-final, semi-final. And I, 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 I can't I can for the life of me understand the naivety that people think that the Gawley won't push on and, and, and uh, push on and, and probably do what they done last year. Interesting, Vincent. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily disagree because I, I think the whole idea of being stuck in 1B, and, and Connor's right that Limerick have had six successive unsuccessful attempts to get out of 1B. But I'm inclined to agree with John that you're, you're, you're looking at it and saying, well, is getting out of 1B the priority 
or is it getting into the quarterfinals and actually finding your form reasonably gently and, and not being foot to the floor as you kind of have to be in 1A all the way? Bear in mind, when we got to the league final last year, Tipperary were supposedly unbeatable. They were playing out of their skin, blowing teams out of the water. And Galway arrived into that final relatively fresh. In fact, they'd been beaten by Wexford below in Salt Hill in one of their earliest games. Michal Dunne, who was lambasted at left, right and centre, everything was going wrong for them. But they seemed to just pace themselves right. And I think that is the key. Get into the quarterfinals from 1B. And if you're still in 1B next year, the last three champions have come from 1B. If you're all in champions, it doesn't really matter what, if you're 1A, 1B. Exactly. So I think that kind of stigma of being a 1B team is actually gone now. And just looking around at some of the other top teams from last year's championship, like Tip, Cork, Waterford, are any of those teams jumping out at you? Someone you're really interested to see how they how they bounce back? Yeah, well, what? what? Oh, sorry. It's 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 a big year for my own county now, and I, I'm I'm going I'm going to say it straight. Uh, I think it's it's a massive year. I think I think we're after playing in five finals now in the last three years. I think we're after winning one out of the five finals, and I think now. I don't know, probably could be Derby McGrath last year, but I think it's it's a year where Waterford really, really have to go and win a trophy, whether it be a National League. I, I don't know whether a National League would probably be good enough. I think this team have to push on now and, and start winning trophies, and that's why I think it's it's going to be a massive year for Waterford. I think, just on that as well, Like I was looking at the Waterford team that played in the All-Ireland final last year, and the previous year, that 21 team, that brilliant, brilliant 21 team that destroyed Galway in the final, I think there was only... Uh, I think there was only Ozzy Gleeson and Shane Bennett who started in the final from that team. Now, obviously, Conor Gleeson was suspended and Tom Devine was away. But if you remember that that brilliant under-21 final performance, like there was Shane Bennett, uh, Stephen Bennett and Patrick uh, Curran, and I think they scored 4-12 or something like that between them. And if the one criticism that kept coming up against Waterford last year before, obviously, they scored the goals in, against... Uh, against Cork and against Kilkenny was their lack of goal scoring. So they're, they're, like when we're talking about teams that they're going to have to rotate, they're going to have to find it. I think Waterford have an awful lot of options this year and it'll be interesting to see whether many of that team come through because they weren't just an All-Ireland winning under-21 team. They were an outstanding All-Ireland winning under-21 team. John, do you want to come in there? Well, I think what's well, and it goes back to my point that I think the teams with the, with the strongest panels will, will, will probably push on and have a successful year this year and I think Waterford have that luxury I mean you look I think what Derek McGrath will possibly do throughout the course of the league I think he will use his panel but I think on any given week he'll, he'll know that he'll have 10 uh, of his possible starters come come championship and then I think he'll rotate his panel but the other 5 or 6 lads that will probably come in week on week they're as good as probably the other 5 I mean Go back to the, the league game up in Galway last year. Uh, I mean, he practically changed eight or nine lads. They were they were beating Galway, and then he brought on some of the elders or the elder statesmen, and you know they ended up losing that game. Opened up the the league for Galway. So I think you know, like the Patrick Curran, Stephen Bennett, DJ Forn, like the Connor Prunty, Connor uh, Colin Dunford. You know, they won't weaken any team. So. I think Waterford will be in a strong position to, to kick on and, and, and have a really good league campaign. John, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Cheers, John. And guys, just before we go, I just would like to get your predictions for you know who will get promoted from 1B and who will win the league outright, Vincent. Wow. <laughs> um, I will go for maybe Clare to win the league and from 1B, 
Galway. I feel guilty for not asking any Claire questions mm-hmm. now if I'd known you had this opinion. But why, why, why do you think Claire might get the job I just, done? Th- I just think they're, they're a hell of a squad um, and they've definitely underachieved in the recent years. And I think for Don, Donald Maloney and, and Jerry O'Connor, a really good league campaign would take some of the heat off them. I think there was huge expectation when they took over from Davy Fitz. Uh, Donald Cusick is gone now. But they have this bulk of a squad that came from three under-21 All-Ireland winning teams. And I think it's, it's a real make-or-break year for Clare. And I think they've got to go for the league. I really do, because I, I don't think you can pull all your eggs in the, in the basket of the championship, because nobody knows how this championship is going to f- unfold with four Munster Championship games in five weeks for them. I think Clare will have a right crack off this league, and I think they could win it. Interested in Connor? Yeah, I have a feeling Galway we would probably still get promoted, although I wouldn't rule Limerick out of that game either. Um, but as regards winning the league, you look at Tipperary there, like they st- I know Jamie Callan looks like he's going to miss most, most of the league, but like you know, they still have a forward line to drool over, like the you know Noel McGrath, John McGrath, Bubbles O'Dwyer, Bonner Marr. Um, you know, I I think to be a general leveling off this year because of you know the fact of the schedule and all the rest of it. And I still think that Tipperary will do enough, will get enough wins to make the top four. And I think from there on, it's just about priorities. I think teams will probably treat the latter end. Teams like Tipperary will probably treat the knockout stages of the league as kind of championship preparation. But I just think they maybe have the talent to go all the, and once you get to a semi-final Vincent talking about Wexford I think it, the same rule applies to all the teams once you get to a semi-final you're as well to win it as not you know so and I think Tipperary just have the forward talent to win it and even from last year's team like we forget they were only one amazing point from Joe Canning away from being in another final uh, and like it's only really Darren Gleeson that's gone off the squad um, like they don't have huge holes to fill in the team so yeah I think Tipperary are my tip Connor, Vincent thanks so much for joining us this week that's all we have time for this week on the throw-in we'll be back next Monday and for the next 10 weeks we'll be reviewing all the National League action in the meantime you can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud or independent.ie so until next Monday thank you so much for listening and goodbye Allianz Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.